You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Sophie is off this week. Cooler weather and blue skies are providing much better firefighting conditions out in the Okanagan. More residents are able to return home, while others are now finding out through a new web page if their homes were damaged or destroyed. Cassidy Moscone is live in Lake Country now, where some of those evacuation orders are being downgraded. Cassidy. That's right. We just had another raft of residents here in Lake Country go from evacuation order to evacuation alert. That happened just a few hours ago. There are still just under 10,000 people affected by fires in this region under alert. And another 8,000 tonight remain on evacuation order. Kelowna woke up to clear skies, but you just had to look up to see the fights far from over. The attack clearly visible from above, a reminder this is why thousands are still in their homes. We're holding people back because we're still firefighting in the neighbourhood. There's hoses and pumps. I can't have you operating around that. I also can't put you back if there's still fire burning just in your backyard or nearby. West Kelowna resident Ron and Cheryl Johnston still don't know if their home of 32 years is standing. We'll move on no matter what's happened, but yeah, it would be nice to know. I'm just a little bit concerned. There's things we, we didn't take very much out of our home. This is their seventh night of the unknown. The couple, one of many, hoping to finally learn their fate when a new website launches informing homeowners of the damage. In a perfect world, our preference without question would be to personally call every single homeowner and be with them when they receive what is probably the worst news they have ever received. That is our preference. But today we live in a day where social media and we have photos and information that is flying around faster than we can even begin to think we can manage. I just would ask people not to go on it unless you're a homeowner because we need to find out. Richard Sonif still has his home. I would say that 90% of our neighbours or 95% of our neighbours we're not so fortunate. He owns a local excavation business and says his fuel mitigation efforts and sprinkler system saved him. That's the difference why our home on Bear Creek Road is one of the very, very few that did survive. Everybody likes shade, but at the same time, the trees are the fire department's worst enemy. So it's everybody's responsibility to get rid of those trees at their own cost. With travel restrictions mainly gone and parts of Kelowna returned to normal, the city will long be reminded of what it's lost. The count today confirmed 84 properties lost in the West Bank, First Nation and West Kelowna areas, 90 on the northwest side and a handful of properties here in Lake Country and also Kelowna. Cassidy Moscone reporting for us tonight in Lake Country. Cassidy, thank you. Well, the busy summer tourist season, of course, is make or break time for many Okanagan businesses. They took a major hit when the travel ban came into effect this week. But as Richard Zussman reports, now that it's been rescinded for most places, operators are hoping to salvage the summer. Since last Thursday, Pita Pit in downtown Kelowna has been serving a lot of sandwiches, but not to the regular tourists. We were up, like giving them free food to our community who were affected by the fires. 
While the smoke is clearing in Kelowna and across the region, the tourism season seems to have melted away. Tourists told to stay away earlier this week are doing just that. Businesses worried about what is coming next. We are in support of our uh, community, so maybe they will help us in our difficult times as we did for them. With a ban on booking hotels in the region now lifted, plans are still cancelled. It's hard for tour operators to imagine this season will be saved. We've refunded tens of thousands of dollars here in the past few days and we're still refunding customers. Just over the last week, Sarah McLaughlin has had two shows cancelled. Fairs, festivals, weddings and the Ironman Canada race have also been put on ice. The province promising to support the industry, but how is still unclear. I know that many communities in the interior are looking forward to welcoming, responsibly recreating tourists again. But I ask that the traveling public continue to be thoughtful about where they go. These grapes drive the Okanagan's wine sector and that drives the tourism economy. Quails Gate in West Kelowna closed due to the fires, now open and a hope people will return as well. Uh, tourism is a big part of what we do here. Uh, we have a beautiful setting uh, in the Okanagan Valley. We love to share it with people and uh, it's critical for us. There are enough rooms now secured by the province for evacuees and workers. The hotel sector telling visitors their space to come back. Businesses just hoping that with smoke or no smoke, the sun will shine once again on an industry worth billions for the region. Richard Zussman, Global News. Kelowna. In the Shushwap, firefighters are getting help as well from Mother Nature. A good dose of rain was a welcome sight, allowing crews to deploy more resources to fight the Bush Creek East fire. And Troy Charles joins us live from Blind Bay. And Troy, despite the additional resources there today, evacuees and residents remain in a struggle with authorities. Chris, still certainly tension in the air here and understandably so as for many, any semblance of regular life has been completely uprooted by this fire. But some good news last night, heavy rain across much of the Shushwap region. And while it wasn't enough to put out a 41,000 hectare wildfire, it does go a long way. It's been a long time coming. Oh, I think it's well deserved. I hope we didn't get as much as California. It wasn't quite that much. However, the 5 to 15 millimeters that fell across the Bush Creek East fire was no doubt beneficial. Even if it is short term, it does make a big difference. The rain helped clear smoky skies, allowing the return of aerial support with helicopters bucketing water. These improved conditions has BC Wildfire optimistic. Stable might be too uh, strong of a word to say with a wildfire that's still this large and active and in the interface, but it is trending towards that in terms of better weather, uh, more firefighting efforts uh, that are happening um, throughout the area with, with increased resources that we're getting. While the firefight is trending well, another aspect of this situation remains tense. There's a small percentage of the population that's been naked and We've had some instances of threats, abuse, theft of equipment, and other unfortunate events. Those who stayed behind in evacuated zones remain in a struggle with authorities. Today, BC Wildfire offering up a possible compromise. We are interested in this conversation of, of working together, 
But again, I want to stress it's, it has to be done in a safe and coordinated way. And we have seen examples of that in BC over the years. Tracy Hughes with the Columbia Shushwap Regional District knows the removal of evacuation orders would solve many of these problems. We can't let people go back in until we are very confident that they're going to be safe where they are. Hughes said she heard rumors that if those who have stayed behind decided to leave now, they would face legal repercussions, which she says is false. We want them to leave and they will qualify for every support that is available to them. Chris, clearly still no timeline for when many of these evacuees will be able to return home. But for those residents on the south side of the lake in the Sorrento area, that day is likely to come first before it does for those across on the north shore in the lake in the more fire-ravaged areas like Scotch Creek and Salista. Back to you. No doubt. All right, Troy, thanks very much. That's Troy Charles in Blind Bay tonight. And just a final note here, there are still 25,000 British Columbians out of their homes on evacuation order right now. An additional 37,000 are on evacuation alert and must be ready to go on short notice. A number of orders, though, were downgraded to alerts this week, which is a good sign. And as fire officials are cautiously optimistic, they are making progress on a number of these fires. The forecast is warming up again, and we've got Chief Meteorologist Mark McDriga joining us now with more on that and the return of some of that smoke, Mark. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. First of all, uh, the rain uh, so welcome in the B.C. interior over the last 24 to 36 hours. Quite a bit still falling in the piece, but in the Okanagan, just the odd leftover shower. That low-pressure center moving away, high-pressure building, and it looks like a dry spell for several days ahead. Now, smoke will be widespread likely again over several days in the Okanagan. It'll build even more, but you can see the ramp up in temperature as we go through this upcoming weekend. And then some good news by middle of next week, more rain, and then after that, I'm seeing on the charts more heat in the to the long weekend now that's a long way off but at least the next few days getting hotter now smoke will likely build even more in the bc interior and gentle outflow will steer some of that smoke into the south coast as well a little bit more tomorrow and unfortunately more heading into the weekend is the way it looks right now lots more on the rest of the province coming up uh, in a few minutes chris yep we'll check back then thanks very much mark All good right. to have you on board all right, we're hearing today from the owner of a popular outdoor resort near Boston Bar that was wiped out by the Kukupi Creek Fire. The Rio Rafting and Yoga Resort in the Nahatlij Valley has been a labor of love for the Fogelman family for 40 years. Now the resort's lodging, equipment, and even its shuttle bus has been destroyed by fire. And because of the resort's remote location, fire insurance hasn't been available. So the Fogelmans have launched an online fundraiser to help them rebuild. Oh, there's literally just six inches of sort of grayish white ash. I mean, the intensity of the fire is insane. Honestly, I don't think I've ever cried so much in my life. Um, and I get set off pretty easily, so I got better be careful. <laughs> I don't start crying. Um, but um, yeah, it's been my life's work and it is an amazing, beautiful, off the grid uh, resort. The Kukupi Creek fire is still classified as out of control. It's now burned more than 14,000 hectares, and Highway 1 remains closed between Boston Bar and Lytton. In the midst of this record-breaking wildfire season, questions are being raised over whether enough fire prevention has been done over the past 20 years. 
2003 saw more than 2,500 devastating fires burn through the province's interior, prompting a report that offered more than 40 recommendations. But as Kamal Kuramali shows us, one of the report's authors says more work could have been done. The firestorm that tore through the Kelowna area 20 years ago left a lot of destruction in its wake, but it also left behind some lessons. A report recommended one of the best ways to reduce risk was to reduce the fuel on the forest floor. That thinning is really, really important uh, to be able to safely apply uh, controlled burns. The provincial review from 2003 highlighted several recommendations, one of which was requiring communities at high risk to create protection plans. It included mitigating fire risks by removing wood debris, cutting underbrush and lowering tree limbs with the goal of keeping the wildfire on the ground and away from the tree canopy. According to the B.C. Ministry of Forests, the progress of those plans has been minimal, with more than 16,000 hectares having risk reduction treatments that's 40 times the size of Stanley Park, but only 2% of the total area that needs wildfire fuel cleared. The failure in getting risk reduction treatments in place is likely due to both time... You're never done. Uh, you, you might treat a hectare today and you may have to go back and retreat. It's called a maintenance treatment, uh, depending on how productive the site is and how quickly fuels regrow. But... We're never done. And money. These are $10 billion fire seasons. So even if you know it was going to cost us $5 billion to get ahead of the problem, that's money saved. Warning now, the government must take action. The risk is this, um, what is it, 38 million hectares of, of extreme and high-risk wildland, uh, forest land that we have that's at risk of wildfire. Before more force burn and take homes and lives. Kamal Karamali, Global News. Well, Keith Baldry joins us now with more on the response from government here. Keith, the criticism is pretty clear, but what has mm. been done and does the provincial approach need to change? Yeah, so you heard Kamal reference that 2003 Okanagan Mountain fire that re results in this report. It wasn't until the bad fire season of 2017 followed by 2018 that a new program was established. It's in place right now, the Community Resiliency Investment Program. You've probably never heard of it. I didn't hear about it until today. And that's part of the big problem here. More on that in a moment. This program is divided into two parts. First of all, there's the Fire Smart component. And this is, involves money for, for uh, Fire Smart community funding for communities to plug into these funds, $90 million a year, but only about 219 projects since 2018. That's about 45 projects a year, not a heck of a lot. The second component is the Crown Line Wildfire Risk Reduction Program. Again, likely never heard of it, $40 million a year and not a lot of programs there. About 3,000 hectares in this program are burned prescriptively. Not a big number compared to the vast numbers we're talking about. That The McGougal Fire in Kelowna is 68 hectares alone and 11,000 hectares as of yesterday. This may change, though, in the coming months. We caught, I put the questions to Forest Minister Bruce Ralston today. He noted that there's an upcoming convention of the Union of BC Municipalities coming up in September. He suspects this is going to be a hot topic of conversation, and he suspects the take-up from communities and First Nations will be higher as a result of the enormous carnage we've seen this summer. Uh, I expect that this will be uh, the subject of discussion at the Union of BC Municipalities uh, convention in a couple of weeks. Uh, and. Uh, Encouragement will be given to municipalities. The funding is there. It just simply, I think, hasn't been taken up. 
I think people sometimes think that these are these are not essential programs, these are make-work programs. They're the very opposite of that. They can be the difference between successfully extinguishing a fire and seeing a fire go on to profoundly damage a community. So you heard the minister reference that the funding is there. I suspect of what we've seen this summer, Chris, and based on what we likely are going to see conversations in September at that convention amongst local politicians, that funding will likely be increased. More attention paid to it to allow communities to plug in and basically adopt more preventative strategies before next wildfire season begins next year. So the government's in the middle of a budget preparation. Look for that budget to be increased. Mm. And awareness is key, right? People need to know exactly. the money's there. That's yep. what we're here for. Thanks very much, Keith. I appreciate it. Due to extreme wildfire risk, the city of Mission is closing its municipal forests starting tomorrow. The closure includes the Stave West Forest and Recreation Area, Hunter Road, Red and Bear Mountain, as well as the BC Hydro Boat Launch. Only those driving to designated and reserved campsites will be allowed in the area. The closure will remain until the fire risk reduces. Those who don't follow the closure or fire ban will be fined. Now, interface fires are terrifying for property owners, and after seeing what happened in West Kelowna last week, some worry it could happen here in Metro Vancouver. As Krista Dow reports, wildfires are something urban firefighters are taking very seriously. This is one of Port Moody's newest wildland fighting apparatuses. It's used for spots in the bush that we can't get a full-size truck to. Port Moody Fire Rescue among the many departments in Metro Vancouver looking for additional equipment and to bolster training on how to fight interface fires. It is different. It's a different kind of way to fight fires. Some sprinklers. Through a grant from the Union of BC Municipalities, the fire rescue purchased additional sprinklers, critical equipment used to protect homes adjacent to forested areas. We're able to expand as many houses that we can to, to about 60, 70 homes that we can actually put sprinklers on. Interface fire risk top of mind as BC sees its worst wildfire season on record. Wildfires sparking near urban areas and are only intensifying with climate change. If you live within two kilometers of a forested area, potentially up to 10 kilometers, then you're at risk. I think everyone is uh, rightly speculating that they will be more intense, more prolonged, and as you say, uh, enter areas where they traditionally have not been expected. BC's forest minister says additional funding and expansion of the provincial FireSmart program is being considered in the next budget. It's welcome news for firefighters in Port Moody who say education is key when it comes to preventing fires and protecting homes. So when the crews go out there, they spend two, three hours per household going over with the, uh, with the uh, citizen exactly what they should do to FireSmart their home. Experts say mitigating fire risks is everyone's responsibility. And for those who live on the edge of nature, that threat much greater as BC's wildfire season is starting sooner and ending later than ever before. Krista Dow, Global News. Well, her video highlighted the absurdity of Vancouver's housing options. This is the neighborhood. The TikTok about a tiny apartment got a huge reaction and today, the woman who produced it reacts to the backlash and explains why she did it. Next on the News Hour. You deserve to 
be featured on our wall because they've been loyal customers for a long time. How a popular coffee shop is brewing up something special, paying tribute to its regulars a little later in the news hour. Right now, though, whether it's rent or a mortgage, a shocking number of British Columbians worry they won't be able to pay it. That's according to a new survey conducted by Leger. The poll also looked at solutions British Columbians would like to see. Grace Key reports. First time trying raspberries. Sure. <laughs> With inflation and interest rate hikes, being able to afford housing has been on the top of everyone's minds. Recently, the worry has been higher than ever. What surprised us in the poll is that about 40% of Canadians are really feeling mortgage pain or rental pain. That means they're worried almost on a daily basis about the ability to afford their rent at the end of the month or their mortgage at the end of the month. Not surprising, the numbers are higher in B.C., with 68% of those surveys saying it's a concern, according to Leger, a market research company. And when it comes to the blame game, 36% of those surveyed in B.C. blame the federal government for the housing crisis, 27% the provincial government, and 10% the municipal government. A UBC professor and founder of Generation Squeeze is speaking to the federal Liberals at their cabinet retreat, where the affordability crisis is the top priority. Instead of blame, he He's calling on Canadians to demand a stall in home prices. We know that restoring affordability for all means home prices must minimally stall so that earnings have a chance to catch up. And if we say that, we give the cover, political cover, for our governments to say that, and then we can start to use all of our policy tools uh, to achieve that very ambitious and important goal. When it comes to solutions, 79% of British Columbians support more government-supplied affordable housing, followed by more incentives for developers, subsidies for renters, tighter rent controls, incentives for homeowners to provide rental suites and discourage short-term rentals. There are 15% of homeowners who have a space, but they choose not to rent it out. So it really means the solution to the housing crisis might be literally in our backyard because it could be three times the supply in the market if those homeowners opted to put those places on the marketplace. As the poll suggests, incentives may be needed to get more homeowners to change their views about renting. Grace Key, Global News. A TikTok featuring a tiny but pricey rental unit on Vancouver's downtown east side is getting the attention of Canada's opposition leaders. The woman who posted it spoke to Global News about how it sparked a broader conversation about the housing crisis. Kristen Robinson reports. This is a 200, yeah, 200 square foot apartment in downtown east side. The woman who posted this TikTok. This is the price. Says she wanted to make a point to kind of show what the rental market has come to in Vancouver uh, in a way that would catch people's attention uh, because it's pretty crazy. Kristen Gill succeeded. Oh, we deleted it, unfortunately. The real estate marketer says she was not hired to make the video nor paid for it, but her company felt it was getting misappropriated, including by politicians. I kind of felt a little bit out of control that it was in other people's hands. The post blew up online where NDP leader Jagmeet Singh accused the Conservatives and Liberals of letting rich investors use housing as a get-rich-quick scheme. Pierre Polyev responding, your party runs BC where this apartment is. Since you took power in Ottawa, housing costs have rocketed higher. I think it really illustrates the severity of the housing crisis that we're in. In order to prevent renovations, Councillor Peter Meisner says the city adopted vacancy controls in 2021 
to limit rent increases between tenancies in single-room accommodation buildings. But the bylaw amendment didn't stick. That was unfortunately struck down by B.C. Supreme Court. So the city is doing everything it's can, it can by appealing that decision. The Lotus Hotel owner was warned last year about following the Residential Tenancy Act. And B.C.'s housing minister says the province is aware of recent allegations involving tenants being offered buyouts to vacate and has started initial inquiries to determine if a new investigation will be commenced. We need to continue to work with uh, senior levels of government to get more investment into rental housing across Vancouver and also cut permitting timelines and red tape in order to deliver the housing more cost effectively. This is your dining room. Until then, expect more of this. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Just ahead, a battle over sacred ground. And we're just trimming back some of these trees. How this Hornby Island project reopened some old wounds. And the scene of another bear attack, this time involving a child. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Patello Bridge this evening. Just a little bit of leftover volume southbound on McBride on the approach. Today's Lotto 649 Gold Ball Jackpot is $48 million, plus the classic $5 million jackpot, two jackpots on every draw. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. Some Hornby Island residents say they're outraged after a First Nations midden was partially dug up during ferry terminal construction. The midden contains ancient artifacts and is considered sacred. Catherine Urquhart reports on the backlash and how BC Ferries is responding. On Hornby Island, BC Ferries staff and residents surveyed damage to a historic Indigenous midden. It happened amid work at the ferry terminal. It prompted this confrontation. We were just trimming back some of these trees. The midden, known as Shingle Spit, is a protected cultural site. It contains shells and indigenous artifacts of the Comox First Nation. Why even were you cutting when it's a midden here? Comox First Nation told Global News, we are very disappointed whenever we hear that work is being done in our territory without following our cultural heritage policy. It is our duty to protect our ancestral remains and cultural heritage in accordance with our cultural beliefs and stewardship obligations. Julian Laffin recorded this video. The Hornby Island resident says an arbutus tree was also cut, calling the incident shocking and upsetting. When I arrived to see that area had all been dug up and excavated to try to remove the stump and uh, just made a total mess of it, which um, was all uh, First Nations midden. BC Ferries has admitted fault, saying pre-planning was not done as required. What we do know is that our requirement to ensure that any ground disturbance or tree removal uh, consider uh, a, a written project plan that includes a review of any potentially cultural or archaeological significance uh, be factored in. That did not occur. Uh, and that is a failure. On Wednesday morning, BC Ferries met with Comox First Nation near the Midden to discuss how they might repair the damage. So far, there is no resolution. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Conservation officers put down a black bear in Powell River after an incident involving a five-year-old. Tuesday, a group of children were at Haywire Bay as part of a day camp run by the Powell Lake Outdoor Learning Center when a bear approached the group. 
One child fell while running away. The bear then stood on top of the youngster before being scared off by nearby counselors. Fortunately, the child didn't require medical attention. Today, the COS found a bear matching the description and put it down. They'll continue to monitor for bear activity in that area. The mother of a young teen killed in Burnaby was on the stand at the trial of Ibrahim Ali. She cried uncontrollably, showing the jury a picture of her daughter ice skating just days before she died. She testified through a Mandarin interpreter and cannot be identified because of a publication ban. But back in July 2017, the teen was discovered in Burnaby Central Park partially clothed. The teen's mother told court she'd spent Canada Day with her daughter, saying she was in summer school, had loved to draw, and was learning to play the flute. She said the girl never went to sleepovers, didn't use drugs or drink, and she had never seen her with a boy. Earlier in the day, under cross-examination, the teen's brother testified there were conflicts between the teen and the mother. Ibrahim Ali has pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder. Just ahead, threats to Canada's economy. People have, uh, you know, probably changed their plans in terms of coming to Canada. How natural disasters weigh heavily on our pocketbooks and one factor that could help. Also tonight, the impact of wildfire smoke on your brain. Good evening. We're back to two lanes northbound over here out of Delta at the Massey Tunnel, but still some leftover volume from Highway 17A. Today's Lotto 649 Gold Ball Jackpot is $48 million, plus a classic $5 million jackpot, two jackpots on every draw. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Massey Tunnel. The devastating wildfires in B.C. and other parts of Canada are among the factors economic analysts are watching closely. But they're also keeping an eye on things brewing beyond our borders. In China, for instance, where a debt crisis is unfolding. Anne Gaviola explains what it all means for Canadians and our pocketbooks. Heroic efforts to manage fires in the Northwest Territories and British Columbia have made a huge difference to residents and the economy. And the firefighting efforts have been, I guess, successful and, and we've seen kind of muted numbers of the costs of these in, in terms of infrastructure and, and loss of property. No doubt about it, there is devastation. But analysts say it could have been much worse. Though this year's wildfire season was about six times as intense as normal, national supply chains have remained intact. Oil production was shut down this spring, but only temporarily. The biggest effects will be felt on tourism. People have... Uh, you know, probably change their plans in terms of coming to Canada. And hopefully it won't have uh, too much of an impact longer term once, once this fire season is over. But households across the country will feel the bite of higher insurance costs related to this wildfire season, as well as other recent extreme weather-related disasters like flooding. And that means that uh, insurance premiums are going up. Um, we've probably anywhere from 5 to 15%. China's real estate bubble has come home to roost, many economists say, and that may spill over to their banks. They're probably going to need to rescue some of their financial system. China's debt-to-GDP ratio has hit a record 280 percent. Household debt stands at nearly 5.4 trillion U.S. dollars. And youth unemployment is at a record high. More than one in five people between the ages of 16 and 24 were jobless in June. Now, we don't have more recent statistics because the Chinese government stopped sharing that data. China's central bank unleashed a surprise rate cut last week. 
But there is a silver lining. The slowing of the world's second largest economy may do some of the heavy lifting for the Bank of Canada. Weaker Chinese demand actually helps slow the Canadian economy. It might be a little bit of a side benefit that we won't need interest rates as high for as long to get inflation down here at home. Anne Gaviola, Global News, Toronto. A growing body of research is suggesting wildfire smoke can produce harmful effects in the human brain, including an increased risk of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. University of Rochester neurology professor Ray Dorsey says the particulate matter from wildfire smoke is so small it can get into the brain's smell centers. He says the particulate matter also often contains tiny toxic metals like lead from gasoline. The brains of people with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's show higher concentrations of heavy metals. And Dorsey says damage to the smell centers is almost universally seen in patients of those diseases. Other research has suggested wildfire smoke could produce cognitive defects and post-traumatic stress. Up ahead, a cafe owner giving his customers a jolt. He just said, Randall, may I take your picture? A picture-perfect way to thank them for their loyal business. And just ahead in sports, why there seems to be no rush locking up the Canucks' top scorer with a new contract. Do not adjust your alarm clock. Mark Briga <laughs> is in the studio for us. It's almost bad. I have to be up at 2.30 for we won't morning. <laughs> we won't keep you long. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I do see some of that haze behind you. Yeah, uh, and really nice shot. Now, we had we lost in the last few minutes here the sun, the orange glow on the water. It looks like a little more wildfire smoke has trickled in here from the northwest, not from the BC interior, but it's been wrapping around and it came in. So uh, wildfire smoke uh, could easily and will be a factor here in the south coast moving forward. It's 19 degrees right now, but certainly the fires uh, are a huge factor in the BC interior. And it was gusty in there today at a number of places. Uh, some breeze tomorrow too, probably not as much, but you see some spots got windy. Now, again, I mentioned the wraparound, so we're getting uh, air from the northwest here, uh, steering in smoke that's come around in that flow. Still some heavy rain in the piece, couple lingering showers in the southern interior, but the trend is to chase the low pressure away through Alberta and Saskatchewan, bring in a ridge of high pressure, meaning drier. Whoops, I went a little fast there. Oh, a rookie. The uh, north coast you saw, there's the southern interior. Basically smoky with some sun tomorrow and warmer. The south coast warmer tomorrow by a few degrees, but hazy. Uh, this smoke is likely going to be more of a factor, and it'll next come in from the BC southern interior. So I put the word hazy. Now how thick the smoke gets over the uh, weekend coming up Friday through the weekend is the is a question mark, but certainly some smoke and some heat and uh, temperatures possibly higher than 30. These are temperatures forecast near the water, but we could easily crack through 30 degrees this coming weekend. All right, here's our weather window winner from Central Windows, Brian Harvey last night right at sunset. A beautiful shot from Steveston. There you go. Nailed it. All right. Uh, <laughs> both the photographer and you. Thanks very much, Mark. And Ace is in. Uh, taking a look at what's coming down in sports. Yeah, fun story. A local linebacker is enjoying a breakout year with the BC Lions. He's a football player. When you all around, he's got the toughness, he's got the attitude, all those things. Yeah, we'll show you why Lions coaches are gushing over Ben Halatic. All right, thanks, Asa. Also coming up, why this Calgary Cafe owner is asking his customers to strike a pose after he pours them a coffee.
Well, when you know you're going to be an even bigger multimillionaire, why rush it? Right? <laughs> That's exactly it. No, you're right. And uh, when it comes to this sort of stuff, I guess it pays to be patient. And Elias Pedersen is hoping that will be the case when it comes to his next contract. He expects it to be a big one. The 24-year-old told NHL.com that he's put extension talks on hold while he focuses on training this summer. Meanwhile, Austin Matthews, is set to, he set the bar today by signing a four-year extension with the Leafs worth 13 and a quarter million per year. That's a lot. Pedersen scoring 39 goals last season and reached a career best mark of 102 points in 80 games. The Swede is betting on himself to produce similar numbers this year to help his negotiations. He will be a restricted free agent next season, making the Canucks the only team that can sign him at that point. Well, it was originally scheduled for 2020, but a global pandemic forced the cancellation of the Women's Open. The Shaughnessy Golf and Country Club is finally ready to host the world this week, and it features a star-studded field that's well worth the wait. It's uh, three years in the making. We're here in 2023. Um, I think the showing of the LPGA Tour of 95, 96, I think, of the top 100 players are here to play Shaughnessy Golf Club. 14 Canadians, led by our great Canadian Brooke Henderson. If you haven't seen Brooke hit it live and the sort of the crowd that follows, it's a sight to behold. So please uh, encourage uh, everyone who either plays sports or plays golf or loves to watch, if you coach or you're a parent, um, it's an amazing spectacle to see. Definitely need to get out for that. Now, despite losing 1-0 to San Jose on Sunday, there were plenty of positives from the Whitecaps' performance. For example, the special hidden talent of Sam Atacubi. I didn't think that Sam could have played that free kick that he did. So very good. So we have a weapon more that I even, even con considered. He'll take it towards goal. I haven't had the luxury to take many free kicks just because I play with so many good free kick specialists in my career. You know, Fonzie takes them well for, for the national team, Estakio, uh, Ingala, Mertens, Icardi, Oliveira. So, you know, I was lucky I had this chance. Galdi gave me the opportunity and it almost went in, but I'm sure if it scored, it would have been a different scenario and we would have won the game. They take on the Timbers on Saturday. Meanwhile, the BC Lions shopped local when they selected Ben Halanik in the third round of the 2021 CFL Draft. And now the linebacker from Vernon is a leader on one of the best defenses in the league. There you go. There you go. Good. Perfect form, as you'd expect from the Lions' second-leading tackler this season. So my goals are to be where I am now, a starting linebacker. That's what was what I wanted to be coming in and play specials. I still love playing specials, but obviously you want to be playing on the field as much as possible, and I'm happy I'm doing that right now. The feeling is mutual from the team that selected Ben Halatic in the third round of the 2021 CFL Draft. As BC's team, we like to look at all the local players that uh, play at the universities throughout the country and in the States. And so when you have the opportunity to uh, draft a uh, player of his caliber, the fact that he's local, it all, uh, it all made sense. Born and raised in Vernon, the linebacker chose UBC to show off his playmaking abilities. And picked off the birds with the interception. In 28 games, he had an interception return for a TD, six and a half sacks. Two forced fumbles and seven fumble recoveries. To the turf and the ball comes loose as number 52, Ben Halatic comes up with it. Ben Halatic had NFL measurables in, in not only his, his physique, his length, but in his testing. 
the 6'4", 240-pound linebacker wowed scouts with his speed and strength. He had 29 reps on the bench press, second highest at the 2021 CFL Scouting Combine. Hey, we felt lucky to get him in the drafts when we did. Uh, we knew he had plenty of athleticism. Uh, we knew he was a quality person when we got him. Checking all the boxes, he gave the Lions confidence in their selection, but draft picks don't always go as a team hopes. That, that's the big thing, hope. You can give them the opportunities, but they have to take it and uh, run with it, and he's certainly done that. I needed time to develop, I and mean, during practice we got to play against our offense, which was a great offense, and that gave me a lot of good experience, getting comfortable playing, and that first year playing special teams I learned a lot, and second year playing special teams I learned a lot, and I got my opportunity, and I was ready for it, and I just ran with it. Through 10 games as the Lions starting linebacker, he has 50 tackles, one interception, and a sack. In professional football, you have to have size and speed, and that's one thing you know, certainly he does have. What we don't know is the heart of the athletes, and, and uh, he certainly has a big heart and uh, the heart of a professional athlete and a heart of a lion, and that's why we like him. Uh, this guy also has the heart of a lion, former BC Lions quarterback. Nathan Rourke has been turning heads with big plays in the NFL's Preseason with the Jaguars through two games. He's thrown for 274 yards, one touchdown, and no interceptions. He also has a touchdown on the ground, kind of done with his legs. He's making a strong case to stay in the NFL. You know, I left a really good situation in BC and um, left a really good team and coaching staff. People are comfortable. I was comfortable with and. Um, in order to try to go and chase an opportunity here in the NFL. And if I didn't think that I would be able to make it, you know, I probably wouldn't have came, just to be fully honest. Yeah, he's been really good uh, every time he's on the field. Uh, 10 for 12 in the last game against the Lions. So, yeah, he's, he's enjoying his time in Jacksonville. Uh, be interesting to see if he makes that team or if he makes another team in the NFL. He's definitely turning heads. So, oh, yeah. number three in Jacksonville might turn into number two or one somewhere else. We're That's hoping right. for him anyway. Thanks very much, Asa. Coming up, customers stepping in front of the camera when they get a cup of coffee. That's next. Still lots to keep an eye on tonight. Jordan Armstrong is standing by with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan? Chris, tonight we're hearing from more people who fled the Kukopee Creek fire near Boston Bar, including a senior who says it was a scramble to get out. Also, grab the bug spray. The mosquito season is really taking off. In fact, an expert from UBC says because of our rain pattern, an entire summer's worth of mosquito activity has been condensed into one brief window. Find out where they're particularly bad on Global News at 11. Chris. I want to stay away from that place for sure. All right, thanks, Jordan. A Calgary cafe has come up with a pretty unique way to show a little customer appreciation. As Global's Gil Tucker shows us, it's about paying tribute to strong support through some very tough times. What can I get for you? I would like a uh, double gold. Lech Wojakowski gets a lot of regulars here at the roastery. Here nice. People who've made this Kensington Cafe their second home for a long time. I came here in 1985 when they first opened up. Now, after all these years, something new. He just said, Randall, may I take your picture? And here it is, the picture Lech took. What's this all about? It's about Lech paying tribute to his customers. They're not models from a fashion magazine. They're interesting people. Double Americano. Ara Shamoon is one of them, featured a few weeks back, Lech adding a pretty cool caption. Coffee force field, and I had no idea what it meant. Inspired by Star Wars, made the force be with you. Because Ara had this hood on, making him look like a Jedi. And here it was, the force. 
coffee for us. I sit underneath that picture all the time, and it was just funny to see people kind of doing the double take, like, huh, 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 is that, is that you? Asante. It all started earlier this year with Lawrence Watkin. It celebrates individuals, creativity. Helping Lex celebrate 38 years in business here, surviving through some tough times. You deserve to be featured on our wall because they've been loyal customers for a long time. And my hot water. Remember? Remember. We depended on them and we're still here. All right. Support your local businesses. They need the support more now than ever. And it won't be long before another regular shows his support. You're up next. I'll just have to take some photos. Ben Cormos might be sharing the spotlight. Maybe in this one we'll have you and your dog. Yeah, my dog doesn't drink the coffee, but she likes the smell. <laughs> Gil Tucker, Global News. Got to show thanks. And thanks again to all the firefighters working so tirelessly out there in our province, keeping a lid on yeah. things as much as they can. Got a little help from Mother Nature today, but it's warming up again, Mark. Yeah, it looks like we're going into a dry spell again, not only in the Okanagan, but uh, here on the south coast. We haven't had much rain here at all, but the uh, smoke is going to be the wild card here. We're getting a little now. We'll probably have more locally in the lower mainland as we move through time, but also hotter, some sun, and uh, again, dry weather for a while. Yeah, looks like it. Uh, well, well, peonies on. Maybe there's maybe there's a chance of <laughs> rain. We'll, we'll see how. That's it goes. the old days. It used to rain all the peonies. <laughs> I know. Days. I know. Uh, not so much now. No. Thanks very much, Mark, and thanks, Asa. Thanks for watching, everyone. We appreciate uh, your trust in us, and we'll see you back here again tomorrow.